You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren, where we chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. Now start the show. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Streamable Life Podcast, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. We are your hosts, Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And we are gearing up for uh, the second to last week here in February. How has your month been so far? Uh, it's been all right. It's gone by quickly. Um, I think the worst thing has been the up and downs of the weather. Like some days it's 60, the next it's yeah. you know, like 16. So that's probably been the, the biggest thing. But how about you? Yeah, it's been pretty good, but the weather has been crazy. Like I can't get rid of this little cough I have or whatever. Some days it's right. gone, some days it's back. I just can't get well because right. there's no balance. <clears throat> But yeah, other than that, it's been pretty good, so that's what's up. we'll go ahead and get ready for this episode with our day in history and question of the week. All right. Um, this day in history was kind of, <clears throat> it's hard to find some stuff that was like related to Black people, but one thing I did find was that Roots, um, The Next Generation, had its premiere on ABC, ABC TV today in, um, oh God, I forgot to put the date down, but it was the late 70s. I know that much. <laughs> Mm-hmm. let me find that uh yeah so that was the one thing i did find and um i think that was 79 so okay yeah which was interesting now that was obviously the sequel to the original the original yeah which, which was, i've never seen all the way through still yeah no i I don't know if that sounds bad, but I've never really been interested in seeing it. It seems long. <laughs> yeah, and like once you hear about it, you basically kind of feel like you already know right. about it. It's so synonymous, you you feel like you've seen it already. I don't know what right. I'd be surprised to see. Yeah. If no, I I remember my dad just telling me how big of a thing it was and help you know everybody really was sitting around watching it when it came on but mm-hmm. yeah and um all right so <laughs> another thing i found and i just found this interesting and it does not have to do with <laughs> black people but in 1986 the first anti-smoking ad aired and it featured yul brenner who i believe passed away on october 10th um of the same year from lung cancer due oh, to wow. smoking and I was like, 1986, like, that's it? Like, that's, I mean, something about that year just blew my mind that it's only been, was that, 34 years? Yeah, because when you think about it, like, smoking was just, they just, like, pulled smoking ass from, like, Jet magazines in the right, 90s. Yeah. And then have just now cut down on people smoking in TV shows. Right. So. And then, I don't know, that just seems so crazy to me like and you know what i watched a lot of like older films from like the 50s and 60s and they did it so casually they just smoked all the time so yeah it, um, it was literally like chewing gum yeah exactly that's probably the best way to best thing to compare it to i just thought that was crazy though 1986 it's like wow that, yeah that is my totally different story. now like you don't you rarely see cigarettes unless it's a period piece like in the 80s exactly, exactly. Further back. yeah it's crazy 
that's crazy. But yeah, so that's that for to this day in history for February 18th. The question of the week that ties into our larger theme or our, our main topic in the featured presentation is what time period in your life do you have the most music-related nostalgia for? I hope I worded that correctly. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I could go with the easy answer and say 90s or whatever, but I think, honestly, it's those uh, early college, like 2000, summer 2006 to like fall 08. Yeah. Spring 09, like. Wow. Because... It was just like you had all these sort of all these different genres sort of like all being all sort of being successful at once right and you had access to so much so much music now right, like right. illegally and everything and it was just a, a a certain time like that music just sticks out right for me and you would have <laughs> you would have been like at the height you would have been at the tail end of like crunk right right? yeah and then slowly stripping into like what was deemed like i guess college rap or whatever yeah it was crazy because we went from like little john and gucci and the little hyphy movement to like right kid cuddy and j cole right right and the wale's and everything yeah you had it yeah i mean obviously we spent a lot of time together during that time so (laughs) yeah i remember that um i came up with this question i still struggled for it but i think for me i think it would have to be kind of high school be like uh i think maybe like sophomore year specifically to like the senior year of high school maybe freshman year in college i think that's where i like solidified my taste in music Mm -hmm. and i think one big thing was that um playing sports i i was in the car all the time you know driving 10 hours away or eight hours away so i had to fill that time with music and a yeah. lot of the time it's just when i listen to the songs I'm like oh man you know the song brings back you know stopping in i don't know nashville tennessee on our way to atlanta or or somewhere further in tennessee and so i think it would be that that range for me yeah, high school i got you i got you yeah, yeah it's just Cause, cause as a little kid, you can definitely look back and know the songs you you grew up or whatever. But being that right. young, you you can't really. It's impressionable, but you can't really see it the way you see it when you're a little older, like exactly for college. It just means something different to you. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, and we'll continue now to our next segment with our headlines. Um, just real quickly, a few things before we get into any media subjects. Um, All-Star Weekend was this weekend in Chicago with the NBA, and mm. they saw their ratings rise um, due to, I think, largely to the um, tribute to Kobe Bryant and those that perished with him on, the, on that fateful helicopter crash a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. So that was a big draw um, for people. They also honored David Stern, who passed last year yeah um which is crazy like those two sort of nba icons back to back i mean david stern turned the league around he made the league 
an international league. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He was he was the owner we knew. He was who we grew up right. with. Yeah. So did you watch the the game? I watched bits and pieces. I kind of forgot yeah. on. Um so I didn't see the whole game, but I heard it was like the new rules turned out really great the way they said it up. Yeah. We'll go to the next thing, but that's exactly what I was about to say is they should keep that format. It makes it so much more intense. Yeah, because for so. a while there, it just became like scoring. Right. It just run and gun. And it, 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 yeah, it was ridiculous. So. Yeah. All right. Also today, as in Tuesday, um, the jury began deliberations in the Weinstein, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein case. Yeah. Um, which I mean, honestly, could go either way. He's facing five charges associated yeah. with sexual assault, and apparently, the jurors spent forty minutes deliberating one of the um, actresses, one of the defendants' um, testimonies. Actress specifically is Annabella. I can't say her last name. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. She's the one I think that recorded the voice or had like yeah. their voice recording. Yeah. Annabella Sorara. Yeah. Um, and although she's not part of the charges against him now because the statute of limitations have already passed, she was right. there to support the claim of his predatory behavior. So there's, I guess, people are questioning whether her recant of events is true or not. I don't know. Yeah. But. And then I saw something else where they called for the emails and they needed a blueprint of the hotel room that the jury needed that. Oh, wow. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, damn. So I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I guess we should expect this maybe sometime later in the week. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's over a hundred women who have accused him. So. Right. So um, I, it, I don't know how he gets out of this, but this, yeah. he, he, he may, we'll see. Yeah. It's crazy. It, we've seen it before. Sadly, right. but hopefully justice will prevail. Right. Um, another little tidbit: Sony purchased Insomniac Games for two hundred twenty-five million dollars. This is only major because Insomniac created the Spider-Man game for mm-hmm. PS4 for twenty eighteen. So clearly, Sony wants to get in on this Spider universe. They're trying to forge forth. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. It was a great game. Um, yeah. But it should be interesting to see what, what they want to do. I don't know if they want to try to make a a game universe to go with a film universe to or whatever. That's that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then with the more meteor things, um saw an interesting article where the TV pilot season sees the numbers plummet. Um, since streaming has, you know, become the new f- sort of frontier in television, yeah, networks are now starting to sort of break away from the ritual of having a pilot season every, um, like, summer, right. fall. It's like the order now. They'll just, for instance, I guess, I think it's ABC and Fox are going to opt for like a rolling cycle to where they'll be taking scripts and stuff so like on a rolling basis wow okay okay that way they keep writers 
um, sort of working and keep people moving because um, they have to compete with streamers that literally put out content weekly, monthly, daily. Yeah, yeah. And also it's a way to get ahead of the uh, forbearing writer strike that could come up later on yeah. this year. Um, I know CW kind of had that in mind as they piloted, what, like 21 shows or something? Yeah, yeah. They work at an ex expeditious rate. That's sort of crazy, but yeah. So mm. we'll see if that works. Um, and it looks like a lot less shows were canceled. Um, well, the number of shows were canceled than in previous years. If you get a chance, it's a real interesting story. A lot of figures and numbers, so I kind of just glaze, but yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see how it, how it shapes up with, you know, we still have the HBO Max coming, NBC Peacock coming, this other CBS Viacom service coming. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Um, next, Tiffany Boone finally spoke out about yeah, leaving so, yeah. shy and allegations and you know what she this sounds like what we previously heard not particularly maybe what i'm trying to say it kind of mirrors what jason mitchell was kind of saying that tiffany wasn't the target of the abuse right but being that environment, seeing people being uncomfortable, she saw it fit to speak up for them. Yeah. what I got from her, her comments. What did you think? Yeah, that's kind of how I read it, too. And, uh, I, God, it sounds bad, but I almost forgot about it happening. Yeah, so did I. Um, I guess, you know. Um, Cause, she, cause like, was... like she said, she's moved on. You know, she was already yeah. taping the other show by the time the story came out. Yeah. So, I mean. But yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I mean, she she did the right thing, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 And um, I guess we could sit here and kind of discuss what Lena Waithe could or what she did yeah. do and what she could have done. But Yeah, it sounds like people were dragging their feet yeah absolutely which i mean isn't a surprise you know the industry has always been slow to act in these situations even with right. all the eyes on them now it seems like they just fumbled the protocol or whatever right you know, lena may or may not have known as you know what was she a showrunner is that a producer or i think she was well, the executive yeah yeah, create, yeah. So she's hands-on, but she's not, like, on set probably every day and whatnot. And they even said the showrunner, current showrunner, was having an issue with Mitchell. Yeah. So. But, yeah, nothing seemed, you know, and we didn't get everything, but nothing really seemed, I guess, sexual as much as. Right. He was very angry. Like, just, I don't know. Yeah, I could see him having the anger. Yeah. I don't know why, but and maybe some of the some of his his attitude or actions, he probably right. didn't think they were offensive, but you know, yeah. who knows? It, it got him fired from two projects and removed from his agency. So Right, right. So not good. I guess we'll keep an eye on that story. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's sad because he's a wonderful. Yeah, he's actor. really good. So. I can't remember the name of the movie, but the one with uh, Mary J. Blige. Oh, oh Mudbound. Mudbound, yeah. Yeah, he was really good in that. Really good in that, yeah. And that movie, Tyrell, is on Hulu. It looked, oh, okay. um, looked ghetto, get out ish. She's like the sole black guy on yeah, like yeah. trip with a bunch of white bros. So, hmm. yeah. Um, in sad news, there were some startling reports yeah. from uh, sort of the industry. Um, first, the Love Island host, Caroline Flack, committed yeah. uh, suicide. Um, I did not put together that this was the woman who was removed from the show because she had allegedly abused her husband, her boyfriend. Right, right. And I sort of didn't put those few things together. I guess she took her life, and somehow the media, the British media, was involved. And yeah, they. Oh, okay, little side thing. I watch soccer like crazy, so I'm always into or reading like the British media because they do more of it over there and they talk mm-hmm. about the English league I watch and their, their gossip and all that in the UK is puts ours to shame. It TMZ has nothing on like the sun and daily mail. They just write whatever they want and say whatever they want. And so yeah. this woman was getting absolutely just hounded for everything. You know, they were like, I mean, they have photos of like two inches away from her face when she's coming out of court, leaving her house, just everything. And, it was relentless. And so, you know, when they found out that she had, you know, taken her life, a lot of people went to Twitter and just started, you know, pointing the finger at the, uh, the media over there. But um, it was bad. It was, it was crazy about the whole situation was that, I mean, she did what she did. I think she threw a lamp at her, her boyfriend was the thing. Mm-hmm. And she was getting ready to go to like trial for it. But, I remember seeing something of her, her ex-boyfriend, rather the guy that she committed this act against was very much like, you know, I think it's a little bit being played out. You know, it's not, it shouldn't be at this point. Like, right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it sounded pretty demure. Yeah. They were, they were mute, removed her from the show, but they said they were in talks with her to welcome her back at any time. So. Right. Now, of course, like, a situation like that, a legal situation, you should step back from your job, like that sort of thing. Right, exactly. But yeah, the the press over there between Diana, Megan, and yeah, Vic, man. they do a lot. Yeah. They, like a lot, a lot. They go to the next level. They they legit put anything that we have to shame. Like it's crazy. Yeah, and then in sadder news, um, Amy Hardwick, who was a therapist mm-hmm. in Hollywood, was found murdered by allegedly by her ex-boyfriend. Um, yeah, sad story. Allegedly, she had filed a restraining order against him. Then later on, they had sort of met up for some reason or reunited. I'm not sure why, but then over the weekend or the previous weekend. Um, I guess they got in a fight and her friend had to go get help and he he injured her and she perished from those injuries. So he's being yeah. looked at as the main suspect being charged with her her murder. Um she's most known for being a therapist on the show Addicted to Sexting, which I never 
watch. It was no. a documentary. Yeah. Um, but uh, she was the ex-fiance of Drew Carey, and they've even closed taping of The Price is Right. Yeah. As he sort of reconciles with with this. Um, just just senseless violence. Yeah, it's really bad. It, I, look, I, I don't understand laws and everything, but I'm not sure why a restraining order would ever retire. I mean, not retire, um, expire. Like, yeah, the whole, like, it's gotten better, but restraining orders are, are trash. Like, yeah. All the legality and thinking this piece of paper is going to keep someone from mm-hmm. murdering somebody. Like, and, yes. and it usually the victims are women because. Mm-hmm. Either the police don't take them seriously or, you know, two or three times aren't serious enough. It's just... Right. Yeah. So that was definitely sad. And then to make matters worse, Wendy Williams made a horrible joke about it. But Yeah, I didn't hear the joke, but I saw the headline. I was like, Wendy, why are yeah. you... What are you doing? <laughs> right, right. We'll leave that where it is, though, because... <sighs> okay. And then the the last bit, and I'll be quick here so we can move on. Um, Variety put out a short list of um, a, a list titled, Is It Too Soon to Talk About Next Year's Oscars? And uh, a couple of movies that kind of stuck out, um, one of them being Tenet, which I think we spoke about a few weeks ago or a few months ago, whenever we first saw the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. And that's the um, Christopher Nolan movie with uh, John David Washington and... Uh, Robert Pattinson and then there was uh, a new version of Macbeth featuring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand as the two main characters and uh, there's a lot of other ones another movie by Sofia Coppola um, Ron Howard and then the umpteenth version of West Side Story by (laughs) Steven Spielberg so yeah yes so a little couple things to look yeah, because I was um, thinking, like, usually right after war season, the next thing is just to be like, well, what movie will be? <laughs> right, right. So, like, that's just, it's just the, like, ideal thing to say. Right. Yeah, and interesting, I saw a, a 60 Minutes thing on the Broadway revival of West Side Story they're doing with um, some guy. Yeah. Uh, but they're same songs and script and everything but they're adding all new choreography oh you know what that would that would change it that would yeah and they've got a lot of uh people of color in it which you know it yeah yeah it's needed probably should have been and the interesting thing was the stage was set up they're on stage and then there's a big like life-size stage size screen behind them so like during acting scenes, there they might be in a room you see on the screen, and then for the dance scenes they come out and dance. It was a real nice concept. That's cool. So it looks like West Side's getting like a little revival. Yeah. yeah. And I I don't think it's a story that's ever going to go away because it it kind of always right. It, it's always going to be important. Like at any yeah. time in history, so and it's it's very rooted in you know the timeless Romeo and Juliet like right exactly sort of op- 
polar lovers or whatever. So. All right. Well, now transition to our next segment, the not segment where we discuss episode seven of The Outsider. Yes. Uh, this was entitled In the Pine. Oh, episode six. Whoopsie. My bad. Wait, I thought this was episode seven. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wrote it down, <laughs> but I typed it right. Yeah. Never mind. Episode seven, In the Pines, In the Pines. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a really good episode, I thought. Yeah, I did too. It, it, oh, it was a filler episode, but it wasn't like what you expect of a filler episode. It wasn't, it wasn't so boring like it usually right. filler episodes. Yeah. Because usually filler episodes, nothing really happens. Right, absolutely. Here, stuff was happening, but nothing that... Nothing, like, memorable. Nothing that was, like, shocking, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Right, right. And it, it could have gone in a very different way. I didn't know right. which way it was going to go. So um, I'm glad someone's finally standing up to Ralph being like, hey, right. sir... This is this is what it is. Right, exactly. Cause he was he's holding out and I don't know right. why. And and I would say that I think this episode, one of the strong things that it did was kind of it I it like you just said, it it made him look at what was happening. Like it mm-hmm. was it was almost like an episode for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um so that was good. But I think these last three episodes are are probably going to be what we've been waiting for. Most definitely. Yeah. There's really no more exposition they need to do. It just needs to like hit it, kind of hit it home. Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. I wasn't really wanting to say anything. (laughs) Because what I I was going to say is that I think what Ralph is kind of figuring out in I guess what us as viewers kind of have to accept too is that there may not be a clear cut answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think the solution, not the solution, but the conclusion of this story is going to be so tied up. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so. And really like, how do you stop something like that? Right. Absolutely. Like it could just up and leave and, that'd be it you know what i'm saying like right yeah so yeah um i was really happy for holly in the first you know 20 minutes right yeah um that was cool um i didn't know glory had a job i didn't yeah that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny but so i guess that was interesting yeah um but yeah it was a really good episode um and I kind of felt for what's her name? Tamika. Uh yeah, that's her name. Yeah, the other cop. Yeah. I thought she was going to tell Ralph her experience, right. but she didn't. Right. Cause I think that would have solidified it for him because Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. They seem to have a more closer bond as far as the police work. Like they're both sort of objective and right rational. So yeah, but, it, yeah. There's not much to look forward to in this show, but it is nice when you see like Holly and Andy together. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like he's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, cause he's just like a. He's only there for her. Yeah, pretty much. And with 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 it being her, in her dreams, like it yeah. ended, like someone close to her is going to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just him. So. Yeah, he's the most expendable, I guess you could say, the most. Yeah, he he doesn't live there. No. He's not connected to those people, so I could see that happening. But yeah, it was it was a good filler episode, and it was like well acted, and it looked nice, and it was it was good. Yeah, definitely agree. Alrighty, and we have three more episodes for that. It's ten, right? Uh, yes. So three more episodes of The Outsider on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll transition to our no concessions segment where we discuss films and our things we've been binging the past mm-hmm. weekend. Um, we're going to start off real quick with the box office. Sonic the Hedgehog was triumphant with about mm-hmm. $53 million. Um, I heard it was... It's a kid's film, so... Yeah. You're going to expect like the video game per se, they kind of did some liberties on the story and made it more just sort of like this isolated tale with Sonic. Yeah. Which, huh. I mean, I guess. Randomly, were you a, a Sonic fan as a kid? Uh, not really. I, I knew of them, but I, I didn't play them as often as maybe like Mario or anything like right, that. Right, right. That I don't I don't know if it was just before my time or if I wasn't interested in Sonic, but uh, I felt absolutely nothing hearing this movie, uh, hearing about yeah. this movie come out. So it's definitely for folks a bit older than me. Yeah, per se, like just a few years older than me. Yeah. Uh, second was Birds of Prey. Um, third was Fantasy Island from Bloom Bloom House Productions, which. I heard was awful. It got terrible, <laughs> terrible reviews. Um, like a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Hmm. Uh, and fourth place was The Photograph, starring Issa Rae and Keith Stanfield. I heard that was pretty decent. Yeah. And number five is Bad Boys for Life, dropping from number two, but it's done pretty well for coming out in January. Yeah. Like it's a whole month later, so in the top five. So. Yeah, the photograph, I, I get an email from, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Roger and Ebert, I think that's how pronounce it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and their site just does film reviews. And I mean, usually they, they batter good films, but they got a solid three stars. So I was like, huh. Yeah, like I heard that it was really well done. People on Twitter, of course, dragged it because they said it was boring. But yeah. folks were literally like, Every black film doesn't have to be an event. It doesn't have to have some apocalyptic event. Like, right. You can have just regular people being regular movies. So, right. I think that's what people want. It's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty, and I'll go first since I only watched one movie this weekend. Okay. I meant to watch a lot more, but I don't know. Sometimes I just be like, no. Right, yeah, I know, so, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I want Amazon Prime with all intentions to watch The Farewell, and I ended up landing on Bumblebee instead. Um, 
this was the I think 2019 or 2018. Yeah, something around there. It uh, starts Haley Steinfeld, uh, John Cena, some other people. But it was actually really good. It's sort of <clears throat> now a proper reboot of the Transformer film franchise. Um, set in the 80s, uh, Bumblebee, whose real name is B172, um, escapes Cybertron, or escapes destruction from Cybertron to land on Earth um, to hide out until the Autobots can reunite and to keep secrets so the Decepticons don't find them. Yeah. And he uh, becomes owner or whatever of Haley's Charlie Watson, who buys him and finds him, and basically, you it's sort of like an origin story. But I feel it was better than, um, not better than the films, but I feel they did a better job with Bumblebee's character than they did in the movies. They gave some more backstory because I felt in the movies, uh, Bumblebee felt like a kid compared to yeah the rest of the the, the rest of the yeah I could see that. Yeah, and here it kind of showed like why he doesn't talk, like have a regular voice, um, so that he was a, a vital part of the team. <clears throat> and um, overall, the, the film was pretty good. There's a heartfelt message or whatever, but the action was really tight. Um, there was less, I guess you say, explosions, stuff like that, and much more um, melee action with the Transformers, which was really dope. Okay. Um, so it, it's a fun watch, maybe two hours or so. In mm. my only uh, gripe was it was set in the eighties, but nothing really felt very ageist other than the music. So okay, they didn't really do a good job. It wasn't like Stranger Things or anything like that. It just kind of felt, oh, this could be today with age music. So, hmm. so that um. was it. Okay, I'll have to check that out then. Um, so I'm gonna—I was gonna talk about Honey Boy, but I have about 30 minutes left, so I'm not gonna talk about that one. Okay. Um, but I'll talk about the Farewell, which I think most people know it because um, Aquafina's in it, and it probably should have been nominated for an Oscar. Yes. Uh, but um, so yeah, um, Aquafina plays a, a young woman named Billy and she's a, a writer and she lives in New York City and she has a very close relationship with her uh, grandmother, which I think it's pronounced, they call her like, it's either Nene or Nainai, I, I, I can't remember how they pronounce it. But, um, so uh, anyway, she goes out to, to dinner, she goes over to dinner at her parents' house and while she's there, she, she hears that her, her grandmother, the woman she's really close to, Nene, or Nana or whatever, however they pronounce it, um, <laughs> is dying of terminal lung cancer. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, and um, she went to do the test, and the, the older woman went to do the test, and she went with her sisters. But one thing that they do over there in that part of the world, or what this movie at least tells us, and I'm guessing it's true, is that they keep the truth from older citizens if they know they're dying so when she got off out of the machine from testing the doctor kind of fibbed her results and said oh you're doing fine you know it's just kind of like a cough or whatever oh, and wow. but 
he told her sister and her sister told the rest of the family. So the movie is based on everybody in this family knowing that their grandmother is dying besides their grandmother. And so everybody goes back to China for one of Billy's cousin's funeral, but it's also in a sense, a goodbye, a chance for everybody to say goodbye to their grandmother. And, uh, oh man, it's a good movie. It's as sad as it sounds. Um, it's still, it's really, it's really quite funny. Like, uh, there's a lot of funny movie because it's just like a family movie and it's, it's good to see families of, you see a lot of different things. You see a family that's, you know, they all speak Mandarin, they're Chinese. Uh, Billy and her parents are the only ones that live in America. And you get this big split and difference between the Eastern world and the Western world and just how we deal with family things. And uh, so, yeah, it was really good. I would definitely check it out. I, I, I don't know what the Oscars didn't see in this movie. It was, they weren't white. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There wasn't a white person in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. and you're you're probably absolutely right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it was good. It was a really good movie. Glad I watched that. Yeah, I heard. Well, not heard. Um, when Lulu Wang won at the Spirit Awards, she said that the film was based on her life. Like, yeah, actual, yeah. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So it was it was very good. Um. And I meant to say this earlier, this has nothing to do with uh, movies, but the trailer for, or a date announcement came out for On My Block. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. And that yes. is March 11th. So March 11th. Only eight episodes though. I'm kind of. Yeah. Yeah. This could be the last season too. Yeah. I think that's maybe what's coming. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Every time I watch one, yeah, yeah. So I always breeze through them. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, I right. have to turn this on. All right, we'll transition to our next segment and final segment here. After I mute this page right here, okay. <laughs> our feature presentation. Um, given that it is 2020, it's been a whole decade has mm-hmm. passed as we enter this new era we are doing um an episode here dedicated to the music and sounds of 2010 to 2020 um we call this what time to be alive music we'll also do one of these episodes for tv and film later on but first the music so picture it 2010 uh let's see i was what 22 years old yeah yeah i think so Sheesh. yeah it goes quickly yeah because i would have been 18 or 19 i started college in 2010 yeah and i was graduating in may yeah so just just think about where you were in life um and like the things you were worried about Mm, god just not the things today like no, not at all it was it was just a different time different president different way of life and definitely different way of consuming music um, right. so let's just start out with the trends uh back then as we kind of stated earlier we had just ended you know the crunk era that sort of took over the early 2000s. Right. 
and we were transitioning um, to that sort of college rap and a, a healthy dose of trap. So the trap sort of right went to the mainstream at the same time. Right. Um, so where is it, it going to go from there? So those are sort of like two totally different genres of rap, but it sort of did push rap to to higher grounds. At the same time, you had um, sort of like this deconstruction of R&B kind of sort of. Right. R&B wasn't like the ballads and no sort of vocal dexterity we were used to. R&B became more pop skewed you had artists like neo and usher tapping into the more dance yeah um, dance elements that were popular then because of artists like lady gaga and kesha who sort of like erupted during that era um yeah that was sort of what was dominating you had rihanna pumping out albums every Every year, basically. Um, yeah, then she disappeared and shit. Still yeah. Waiting. Yeah, still waiting. <laughs> um, so you had all this sort of like new stuff happening in music. And along with new music and genres merging and whatnot, you had sort of like the, the s- slow creep of what we now call streaming. Um, yeah. I can remember in college... Before streaming, you had, you know, LimeWire and Kazoo and what you call blogs that were, like, getting these tracks for free. And right. I know for a, a very long time, I wasn't I wasn't buying into the whole, well, let me get this free album thing. By 2010, I had an iTunes account. Right. I was hitting up newjams.net every day. Right. <laughs> downloading new tracks Absolutely. and downloading albums every Tuesday. Yeah. I it, and to to kind of go on that in that same uh, one thing that I think's changed, and you'll know this, but the the blogs in two thousand and eight to about two thousand and eleven were everything. It, yes. I mean, you needed them to stay intact. I can remember um, Fake Shore Drive. Uh, yeah. pigeon, birds and pigeons or pigeons and planes or something like that. Pigeons and planes. Um, the smoking section. Yes, the smoking section. I used to get all my mixtapes off of uh, Dat Piff. Yep. Um, uh, there was a blog that was more like indie music based, literally called the Brooklyn, I think it's like Brooklyn Vegan or something. It, it, it was different type of music. But anyways, um, we had that that was big, and then think about how many times we would, you know, we would go to the mall or something, or we are, or we'd go look for the next Double um, XL or uh, the Fader or Spin or something. And yeah, you know, definitely. You you had to go to the magazines because Twitter wasn't really banging like that yet. So, you know, and magazines were still useful at that point. And I mean, that was just ten years ago, and I haven't bought a magazine in years. Like right. for music, for music purposes, but right, yeah, because around then that those years before twenty ten, you know, SXL was really big because they had the freshman class. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. People just wait for that. <laughs> yeah, we, that's where we first saw, you know, Wale and the J. Cole right. and Kid Cudi and 
I th- and in that class, I think I think Asher Roth was with them, which was like, what? yeah, yeah, it was it was a crazy time. Yeah, um, we had all these outlets. It was very much still sort of the old ranks. You had the gatekeepers there saying, you know, this is what this is, and then you had the journalists that write about it. it. It was still sort of like the whole system. Right. For sure. But gradually, that was sort of. Um, being chipped at yeah and in 2010 um i can remember the first album i bought on itunes would have been well it would have been in 2011 was watch the throne yeah and i'm so glad you brought that up because uh then in the 2000s and 2010s it seems like we got a lot of pairings like that was a big thing that happened like Mm -hmm. like i mean it's always happened with times in music but we got, at the time, you, you didn't get much bigger than Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Then we got them on one track. You know, you didn't yes. get bigger than Kanye or Jay-Z. And you got them on one track. You know what I mean? Then Kanye did, uh, Mer- was it Mercy? Where he had, like, everybody yeah. big at the time. He had uh, Big Sean, uh, 2 Chains, uh, whoever else was on that song. Uh, yeah, good music was sort of still big then. Yeah. Yeah, the Good Music Fridays, nigga. Yes! <laughs> wow. I know we haven't gotten there yet, but yeah, that's back to yeah. point. Like, leading, let's just start there, okay? As right. A, we're going to transition from like trends, sort of, to artists, kind of yeah. like the fact that Kanye is where he is now, I would have never right. seen that coming because in no. 2010, well, that late 2009, yeah, 2010, leading up to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, he was shifting, yeah, that energy to Fridays before Beyonce, you know, did her thing. Yeah, yeah. Later, he was making must must see music Twitter moments, right? With those Good Friday drops, because you were like, you were, you would get one. And you would be like, um, man, who's who's about to be in this one? Who's about to do this? And then, you know, it, it blew you away. It was just like, damn, Kanye, like, yeah. And and each one, I mean, for the most part, all of them slaps. You had yeah. the Power remix. Oh the, yeah, the Runaway Love remix when Justin Bieber was tolerable. Yeah. Uh, Good Friday, Lord, right. Lord. You had Christian Dior Denim Flow, which did not make the album, which I'm still upset no. about. And didn't you have uh, the the Joy, the one where they yes. they sampled Otis Redding? Yes. Uh, Curtis, oh, was it Otis? No. I think it's Curtis. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. You had the little track from Child Rebel Soldier. Do you remember that group that never yeah. happened? Yeah. But, no, I used to. Man, that album would have been so bad. Would've like bad nice. in a good way. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, 2010 was just different. You had Kanye sort of at his artistic peak with Absolutely. My Beautiful Dark Fantasy. Um, and we we all know that he was, there was still, of course, still um, grief struggling with his mother's passing. Right. But from that came what, came what many call his best work. Yeah. Um, and frankly, people say it's his last best album. 
And I would absolutely agree. Because in 2008, he dropped 808 and Heartbreaks, which was an acquired taste. I liked it, but it didn't get the play that, you know, Graduation did. And so then he starts these Good Fridays, and then he drops My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's like, damn, like, yeah, crazy. Um, just I can remember sitting down waiting for the runaway mm-hmm. video, whatever. Well, yes. his music, his visual for the album, which had right. you know, the iconic intro from a then beginning Nicki Minaj. Right, absolutely. Um, on Dark Fantasy, you had Power. Right. Uh, the amazing instrumentation and featured on all the lights. Yeah. Um, Nikki again on Monster. Right. It, that was her song. The the lyrics in the song weren't there. That was Nicki Minaj's song. Hers alone. Uh, you had the posse joint so appalled. Devil yep. in the new dress. Runaway. Um, the rock of hell of a life. The sorrow of a blame game. Just. It was a incredible. powerful album. Yeah. Incredible. And he, I mean, and he follows that up with um, Yeezus, which is another provocative choice. I can look back in retrospect and kind of respect it more, but it it was a different sound altogether, like a different. Right. But. um, I'd say that's about where he started to lose it. Yeah. And as much as people hate it, he milked that album because there wasn't an ad anywhere that wasn't using black skinhead right, or brother leaves in the background. Like, right. yeah, he milked it. Um, but yeah, it was that was different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to get you off track there. So wherever oh. you were headed before. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. We just had a touch there. Um, yeah. So we're talking about the good trends. Um, any bad trends that you can remember that sort of seeped in or trends that sort of affect music today now that we think uh, you kind of ruined it? I, uh, okay. This is what I'll say. I, I won't say he, he didn't, uh, he didn't reinvent R&B, but I think he brought in a new wave of R&B and I'm talking about the weekend house of balloons came out in 2011 and it absolutely just changed everything but Mm -hmm. his style of singing the way he does has like been tampered with and made absolutely like putrid like there's too many people trying to sing like the weekend do uh, do you agree with that like i do like people literally heard him and they're like Okay, yes, that's what I want to do. That's what's hot. Right. And honestly, for me, he hasn't done anything great since then. No, he, he hasn't. No. Like, as much as he's put out, that Ernest song is okay. Right. The song on the Black Panther soundtrack was nice. But, like, this is, like, it. Yeah. Because, again, I can remember being on Twitter and... It might have been two dope boys or whatever who posted yeah. like this mysterious mixtape from this unknown artist, right, right, from um, a land up from the north, and <laughs> right. 
And that was the, another thing, like, that was the beginning of, like, the universal experiencing of music on Twitter. Because I can right. remember seeing everyone tweeting their reactions, like, we listened to it together. Right. Um, yeah, and everyone sort of, sort of bit that. Right. Um, it was sort of in the vein of Drake, but a lot darker. And then right. from there you get artists like Janae Aiko, who sort of did it for the women. Right, yeah. Um, and that brought in the Tory Lanes and Bryson Tillers. Yeah. And, and then that, yeah, that's where you hit, you lose me. Yeah, and they, they try to re- replicate it. A few hits in there, but they can't really make the same magic and it right. just gets kind of boring right so yeah what about you do you see any you remember any trends um that were bad i guess i will say it was good when it first started by the time 2010 auto-tune sort uh, of yeah. had 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 worn its welcome yeah um, and, you know, T-Pain had banked that as, like, his bread and butter. And then yeah. they had that sort of report and a cultural culture pushback on it and everything. Right. But folks still used it and overused it. And now you have folks who, <clears throat> literally folks who can sing or can't sing, and you can hear the correcting they're using with the robot tune. Right, right. Like if you listen carefully, like, I think she's a good artist. I just wish she get better writers. But K Michelle is uses the auto correction heavy. Yeah. And it's just sort of like sort of diminishing the the art, you would say. I would say right. because there's always been sort of like this stronghold that you R&B is for the vocalists. Now we all know right. there's been artists who have been more, you know, pop leaning in their vocals, but they give you a show. Now folks don't want to dance and they don't want to sing. No. So you've got to figure something out. Right, right. So yeah. Yeah. And so we'll transition from the trends and whatnot. That was good. I think, yeah. I think we covered a lot of stuff that sort of was big then. Right. Um, to the artists. Yeah. Um, so we can just sort of like dib and dab from each year, thinking of the artists sort of like made the name for themselves, those that stuck out to you. Okay. I, well, God, I don't particularly like his music, but I think, you know, now Drake came out earlier than 2000, but Drake, Drake, really hit his stride with uh whatchamacallit with uh take care yes and uh oh god what was the other one thank me later and those mm-hmm. were sometime between the early 2010s because he had that mixtape um so far gone and that was i, I won't lie i played that out i used to be on the bus crooning and shit but <laughs> but yeah thank me later and take care and like it was like okay drake's arrived like we have to yeah. deal with this now he's here yeah and he's definitely set a trend um many many may you know protest that he didn't start the whole rapper singing thing but right. he made it more palpable for yeah hip-hop to do that because before right. you know 
artists like Ja Rule and Nelly were doing that, but they weren't singing whole songs. No, no, no. They weren't like slowing the beat down right. and actually singing on the lead single. Yeah, right. Nelly has a song with Tim McGraw, but that was like a one chance thing. Drake is actually out here like crooning yeah, was, singing right. and being emotive and stuff like that. So it's different. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely big. Um, I I I still think Take Care is my favorite album from him. Yeah. I think it's his most uh not versatile, but I think it was his strongest effort. I yeah, get lost I, with the other albums because they all kind of mesh together. Yeah, and there's too many songs on them. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let me see. Definitely Drake. Um, a big one for me, or it's kind of random, uh 2010. Uh, big boy sort of stepped out, yeah, on his own with Sir Lucius Left Foot, the son of Chico Dusty. And everyone was sort of like, How will Outcast work without people? Because people, you know, constantly praise Andre Benjamin as you know, the better flow assist and everything, but big boy could carry his own, and he always has, you know, they're great together, but they're also good apart, so yeah. uh, so a, a proper solo debut in 2010 was a big point for me. Yeah, you, uh, that was oh, that was a good CD. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Kendrick, obviously. Yes. We could go on and on about him. He really made his way. Um, I'm trying to. Trying to step away from what you call it, so much hip hop. You know, people can say what they want about her, but um, yeah, you, you have to mention like Taylor Swift. She yeah, she she sort yeah. of became the artist you love to hate, right? Um, in this era, from going from like the country, I guess, darling to the pop songstress right. or whatnot, right? And I'm sure we could sit here and talk about pop music for two hours because, boy, it went through a transformation, to say the least. Yeah, it did. When you really from think what, about it. Right. From what we grew up listening to, it did. <laughs> yeah. Because we had, you know, the 90s was, uh, you sort of had pop bands. Right. Yeah. Pop, like actual singers. And then... The early 2000s transitioned to like the Britneys, the Insane, right, right, Tina's, these pop darlings, and then by the 2010s you had sort of avant pop stars and yeah, Gaga and Katy Perry, Kesha. That's the best way. Yeah, yeah, definitely a different breed. Yeah. Um, speaking of pop, I'll go ahead and bring up Adele. Yes. Yes, she needs to be mentioned. Yeah, she's she exploded. I remember seeing the Chasing Payments video and said, Oh, she this is a nice yeah. song. And then she won Best New Artist. And then 2011 was 21 and it was just right. Just sort of everywhere. Um, yeah. Uh then she had 25, which I don't think was as great. Um, yeah. But she's set to return to September. So Yeah, I read that. I read that. So it's it's definitely um a voice we've been missing. 
um, in the pop realm. Right. I think, and, you know, like I said, we could go on forever, but I think the last person I'll mention, because they, they went through a transformation of, you know, sound and kind of how they carry themselves, but Bruno Mars. Because oh, yeah. when he, when he kind of came out early, it wasn't that he was bad, but that uh, that first album, Doo-Wops and Hooligans, whatever, was real fun and lighthearted and pop. And it was the, uh, annoying as hell. Yes, I did, I was trying to be nice. The uh, <laughs> the, un, the unorthodox jukebox was a little bit different. And uh, had locked out of heaven, which you know, I was, you know, in 2012 or whatever, I was a grown ass adult still didn't realize what that song was about until like last year i was like oh shit but then mm-hmm. and then 24 karat magic was like what you know like yeah yeah it's a huge swing in a matter of like six or seven years so and given his musical roots you know it, it makes sense for him to sort of end up there right right he had a kind of start in the basics and he really built built his reputation as a songwriter as producer before he sort of broke out on his own, but he's one of the Absolutely. most, definitely most talented artists we have today. Yeah. Um, I can remember in 2011 or whenever his first album came out, my coworker would play it nonstop. And I was like, I really don't like yeah. Bruno guy. But yeah, no, he was, he was, he was annoying. Yeah, but an Orthodox, or an Orthodox jukebox definitely changed it. It showed his versatility. Right. Um, his songwriting ability and then 24 karat magic was just exploded. Yeah, it was it was good. Um before we move any further, we have to mention the queen of the decade. Yes. Yeah. Although Billboard yeah. although Billboard named Taylor Swift woman of the yeah. decade for some strange reason because they all focus on sales, the queen yeah. of the decade was Miss Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, she, she was. You can't... Because we go from 2009, well, the early 2000s, where she mm-hmm. has, you know, single ladies in 2009, I think. Yeah. Um, explodes, puts her in that sort of iconic stratosphere on the pop world. And 2011, she's departing from the management she's known all her life, her father. Right. Striking out on her own as a, a woman, trying to do her own thing, and drops four, which is very, uh, it's a provocative album. It's discussed heavily. People kind of slam it because it's not the sales darling. Yeah. But it spawned some hits, and looking back on it, it's one of her best projects. Yeah. Um, definitely started the her ascent from just regular pop star to artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then 2013, December 13, yeah. after Scandal, people just mind their business, and this bitch dropped a whole album. On- <laughs> yeah, that that was the craziest thing ever. Whole album on iTunes, no one knew about it, and it. It deserved album of the year that year. Yeah. Like point blank period. And then, but then she started a trend with that. Everybody, 
it was like that scene in Mean Girls where it was like, oh, Regina George, you know, crimped her hair, so I crimped my hair. It was like Beyonce dropped a secret album, so I dropped a secret album. Right. Because it just and it kept just happening. And, um, and it's not like it hasn't happened before, but right. it never happened with the artist of that magnitude. Michael no. Jackson was not out here dropping secret albums. No, absolutely not. In the and middle of the night. Right. Before you go to bed, about to close your laptop with that tumbler. Like, she literally told not a single soul no. and to not only drop an album, but drop all the visuals at the same time. Right. Like, literally a video for every track. Right, right. And, it, you know, it wasn't the first time we'd seen that because it was B-Day, she did the same thing. Because yes. they, they wouldn't stop playing that on MTV. And, um, yes, she's been doing it. Yeah, and that was like in two thousand and five or something. But yeah, she, oh my god, yeah, that yeah. was that was so a crazy then, moment. So then, with Beyonce on that Friday, the industry literally shifted release mm-hmm. dates from Tuesdays, which had been done forever, to right. what we now know as Fridays. Right. Fridays, albums release, new singles come out, and of course, different projects come out on different days because we have. You know, the ability to put them online, put them on streaming, but the official date is now Fridays. Yeah. Um, and then you had in 2016 her her lim- most recent project, Lemonade. Yeah. Um, which sort of changed the game again, an artistic push forward for her. It's just she's having the artist that that is has put in the work to be in the position she is in now. Yeah, absolutely. And she regarded her well by her peers and everything, so. Yeah, she's she's the pace setter, honestly. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and nobody's really close to her. Now, taste is all subjective. You don't have to like Beyonce, but oh, you can't. You can't you deny can't, her impact. Yeah, you can't deny her talent and the amount of effort she puts into her art. So right, right. Um, before we go to the biggest songs, are there any artists you feel that were like underrated or that came out that you really like that weren't as big then? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I, you know what? Not really, because I think I kind of carried over listening to the same people that I always listened to and I stuck with them and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was that. I, I think the 2010s gave us a lot of people that were like bright shining stars that burned out. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, that's what, I guess we're about to talk about biggest songs, so I'll just say that then. But no, in terms of somebody, no, not really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can touch on biggest song because there's songs that I still love, but the artists aren't popping now. Right, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's get into songs. And like, I couldn't really organize this in the best way. So I just started writing songs down that was like in my yeah. iTunes and stuff. Right, right. 
So let's see. Uh, you want to do each do like ten big ones that we have written down or something like that? Like ten that were like big to us, or ten in the sense that they were big in just in general. Either mm -hmm. way is fine. So <laughs> we'll say big to us because I think I mean we kind of hit on songs that were big in general. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like no. that, so yeah. That's fine. Yeah, you can go ahead and start. Okay. Um, well, first at the top of my list, we mentioned him earlier, J. Cole, who has sort of had a different trajectory than I think what many people thought when he first came out. Right. Um, he's still pretty popular and impactful, but people just thought he'd be like on a Kendrick level or... Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one of my favorite songs by him, Premeditated Murder. Yeah, that was very good. He he's such a storyteller is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um another rapper and we just saw him at the All-Star break, but I used to listen to this song while I was walking to class, like thinking it was going to like get me hyped, inspire me to like be motivated for school and um I, when I was in college. But um Common's Blue Sky yes oh man that beat and just the meshes in the song used to get me so hyped man i just and i would walk to class envisioning the video i can still see it right now mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> well you, in college some days it works some days it doesn't but um it was good so I'd, I'd put that in number 10 i i still listen to that song yeah whenever i hear that and the chorus comes on i right. really harmonize with oh <laughs> right like that's my part yeah you have to yeah um let's see next i'm just kind of picking random songs here that's fine. i've got to highlight my girl janelle monet with tightrope yeah oh yeah hell yeah she burst on the scene with arc android in 2010 which i think is still her best project um amazing album every genre is on it and it just shows her range and tightrope was was that sort of like it jam? Like, who is this? Like, why is she moving like that? How? Where's more? She's just amazing. So right, she was she was something else. <laughs> um, switching it up a little bit. No, well, not too much. I've just always been obsessed with her voice because her voice and her look and her presence seems very ethereal, otherworldly. But um, Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine. Mm -hmm. And she had a song, her CD Ceremonials came out. And I Shake It Out was absolutely everywhere. I'm not sure if it was in commercials or not, but um, that was a big song for me. And I just remember, like, whenever it came on, it was one of the songs where if it came on in the song, in the, in the car, you would sing it. Or if you're in, like, Target or something. It was just, it was everywhere, like, around 2011, 2012. So that was a big song. Okay. Let's see, I'm looking over here. Um, won't take too long. Let's see. I'll go with uh, I'll go a little pop here. A song that I still love today. Um, this is Rihanna was popping albums out left and right, which yes. we know now because her accountant sold all her money, and she got. <laughs> get that money back on um, this right. loud album only girl in the world probably top three rihanna songs um yeah just the energy this was post you know 
uh, rated R. So she was back to being sort of like this bubbly, colorful woman, sort of embracing her womanhood. Um, right. It just gets you in a good mood. Right. Now, I have a strong disdain for uh, like stands and everything. But mm-hmm. with that being said, absolutely love Rihanna. And one of my favorite Rihanna songs is Yeah, I Said It. So yeah. I'm going to put that. Oh my goodness, man. That song. Yeah. That, well, I don't need to really say more than that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I absolutely love that song. I need to go back and like listen to the albums because Faith. She's a singles girl, okay? So I yeah. know the singles. I went out here getting the albums. So no. I didn't really like get into everything between then and now. Um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think what I like about her is that she has a voice that I think could do so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, this will be my problematic fave. Okay. Choice. Mrs. Uh, Banks. I was just about to say it's probably about to be two one two, two or something. Um, actually, it's nineteen ninety one. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good. This one. is my shit. Not only yeah. does it embody the house, uh, genre that sort of like was big in the early nineteen nineties of hip hop, right. but she she's spitting rapidly on it, and yeah. if she wasn't who she is, she would be just as big as the Cardi's and Nikki's because she's super talented. But. Yeah, I agree. But she's absolutely insane. Yes. So 1991 is uh, my number four. So are we counting up? How are we going? I think we're going. Oh, up. I'm just counting because I have too many. I'm just... Okay, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me, my uh, fourth pick um, would be... Uh, oh, it's gonna. It's it's from Disclosure, and it's when a fire starts to burn. Yes. Like, I I've always loved house music and dance music, but there's something. I think this CD just hit at like the right time for me. I would have been like 22, and um, I don't know. It, it and the CD just had so much life to it. But that song specifically was just like when a fire starts to burn, right? <clears throat> and uh, oh, I can just hear it in my head, and it's just yeah. Like, to go in yeah definitely all right i'm gonna turn the page here try to get some other songs on here um i can remember the song coming out and me being obsessed with it and this artist uh sort of random but two chains birthday song yeah I, with kanye like yeah i'm a i'm a fan but not as much as I used to be because I felt like his first project was just sort of like bombastic he was just a fresh voice but birthday song right. was everywhere yeah so I can see the video now that you say that mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay um let's see what do I want to Oh, I know. And it was kind of, it, it was an annoying song, but in the same way, it was everywhere. But, um, Hold On, We're Going Home by Drake. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think it's one of those things where, like, 
the video more than yeah. the song, but the video made the song stick, if that makes sense. I got you. Yeah. Okay, my next track kind of switches up a bit. Um, Jesse Ware's Tough Love had kind of sometimes maybe. Yeah, oh, man. That which was... uh, featured backing vocals from, like, Miguel or whatever. Yeah. Um, great song from a great artist. And I think it was her sophomore project, one of my favorites of the 2010. So yeah. it sort of, like, puts you in that mood of, like, you know, that crush feeling or that feeling of, like, Right. You know, you're not supposed to, but yeah. Yeah, that's but a yeah. great way to put it. And she's working on new music as well. Very so, yeah. exciting. Very yeah. exciting. <clears throat> okay, so we're on our sixth pick now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to pick a song from the other Noel's sister, Solange, but okay. um, Cranes in the Sky. That song, that oh, that CD was. I don't know what I expected from a seat at the table, but I got a lot more than what I think I was yeah. anticipating. Yeah, it was so good. But yeah, that song, and I think everybody, either that or "Don't Touch My Hair," uh, really kind of grabbed onto those two songs. But they they were good. So, alrighty, number seven, right? Okay. Yep. Um, looking here, looking here. My number seven, ironically, goes to Tiana Taylor from her album Seven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the song Maybe. Okay, yeah. I love this song. And I remember when it first <laughs> came out, like, some, for some reason, I thought it was just called Arna. And I was like, why yeah. would you tell a song that? And I just, I didn't pay any attention to it. And then, like, actually heard, and I was like, oh, this is fire. Right. Um, especially in a time when, like, R&B was still, like, trying to, I don't know, find its place in, like, this new hip-hop dominated era. She, right. she was sort of, like, giving us that sort of, like, nostalgic... 90s feel so and right. Yo Gotti and Pusha T did their thing on that song. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, still play to this day. Okay, um, hold on a second here. I'm trying to find where I want to go. Oh, god, I don't know. I gotta make sure it's the right album. I think it is. God, I wish I had made a more, a better list. But anyways, um, what's her name? Uh, Jasmine Sullivan, Holding You Down. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always liked her voice, and I'm not so, I'm not, I won't say I don't know where she is, but I think she should be bigger. <laughs> yeah, because she was up for Best New Artist at the same time as uh, Adele, because they both dropped the same Yeah. Year. So I'm guessing like more sales, she could have coveted that award. Because I think you bad was just as big as Chasing Pavements. Yes, yeah. But allegedly she's supposed to drop an EP this year. So Okay. Well, that'll be good. Yeah. 
My number nine, um, I'm going to go with a song that I didn't think I would like from artists I didn't think I would like. Uh, Dean Lovato. School oh, yeah. of the Summer. Yes, yes, yes. Sort of like this epic, queer, 80s conglomerate of fun. Um, and it should have been a big hit for her, but folks were like, turn that off, don't put it on the radio. Yeah, I don't know about Yeah, I, I like that too. That was good. Yeah, one of her better songs. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, God, this is going to be difficult. I don't like anything he's put out lately, but when Frank Ocean first came out, mm-hmm. he was something about his sound was so different. And uh, thinking about you, like I couldn't, I can still sing that song word for word because I listened to it so many times. But uh, but yeah, so I'd pick that. But gotcha. Yeah. There are so many songs I haven't said, but we're on eight, right? right? No, we just did nine. <laughs> oh, what was I right. doing? Or maybe it, I think that was supposed to be eight, and you said nine. Okay, so I this said was, nine. Okay, this so would be this nine. nine. Lord, yeah, pray for me. Um, gosh, there's so many songs I didn't say, but um, oh, I gotta say this. Uh, Big Crits, Mount Olympus. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not the version that's on. Catalatica because he couldn't get the clearance sample sample right. cleared, but the version that dropped before the album came out. Okay, yeah, is peak everything. Right, one of the, one of the best new rappers of the 2010s or whatever you want to call it. Um, just consistent heat. Yeah. Right. All right. Um. This one came out in the summer when I graduated. It, it literally came out maybe two months before I graduated high school and sent my high school into an absolute frenzy. But Waka Faka's CD, Faccavelli, came out and it had Hard in the Paint. And oh, yes. my goodness. <laughs> we used to go nuts in the parking lot to that song. Just absolutely go insane. And, uh, so yeah, that one, that was that's my number nine. Has to be. So. Okay, looking at this, I had a lot of tens and whatnot. Uh, my number ten, just randomly, um, I felt this song on a deep level. It became sort of like a mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, race murders no type. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even though it's sort of like silly and frivolous, like it's literally saying, you know, I'm living my life like I want to. Like, absolutely, I gotta do me. Like, they, they had so many carefree zones. Uh, zones. I mean, say songs because I'm thinking of no no flex, <laughs> no flex zone. zone. Yeah, yeah. That first album was something special. I didn't really like to see it, the second one. I'm not sure no. what they're doing now, but that first album was just like a moment. Right. Because yeah. No. No Black Beatles was insane. That, yeah. I think that was on the second one, though. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. My number 10 was hard. It was going to be a toss-up between uh, uh, Kanye West's power, but 
I, that's coming up later. But my, I think my my number ten has to be uh, "We Found Love" by Rihanna, because I can see that video. And if that song were to come in, and I'm sitting in line at CVS with some gummy bears and whatever else, I'm singing it like I'm. Yes. Yeah. Have you noticed sort of off topic, but like. CVS's and TJ Maxx's have like the best department store music. They really do. They go in. Like, like I be, I'll go in to get like grandma's prescription and yeah. freaking like Holland Oaks is playing. It's like yes, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They, they do it. Target's so big that you can't really hear if they play music or not. But yeah, yeah. CVS, somebody's in there playing music. That's not radio. Yeah, they're. And they're jamming. Right. <laughs> All right. So now we did our top 10. Now we'll just go to some of our favorite album songs or or moments of this decade. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I just, go ahead. Go ahead. Go saying? first. Oh, um, so what I'll do is I'll say, I think, big moments. And then uh, I just made a list of my top five CDs for the decade. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so I think some big moments are big things that happen in music. Um, and I tried to sum them up, but one thing that happened towards like the end of the 2010s or like the beginning of 2010s is we had like, um, we had like rap groups and there was kind of a gap. I mean, you had like Nelly and whatever he called his people, the St. Lunatics, and you had that. But then we had like, you know, say what you will about Odd Future, but you had them and then you had like the ASAPs and then you kept having these like rap groups. And I thought that was a kind of a, kind of a moment in music yeah. right there. Um, dance music had a huge mm-hmm. thing. It, it's kind of come back around and I think a new generation has found it. And I think right now, I, I won't say the U.S. is falling behind because we probably never will, but the international sound is is gaining and growing. Yeah. And I think it's hit the American market and it's just boom. Like people are like, okay, I don't know what they're saying, but I can read, so that helps. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's good. Definitely. Oh, and something I wish never happened are these damn dance crazes. The Harlem Shake. Oh, my God. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. And the, and the other guy, the the Gangnam Dance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, with, with the rise of social media, you have, like, this sort of, like, need to be viral. So, like, all those dance crazes, posts, you know, the crank bats and everything just sort of felt... So, yeah, I definitely agree. Hello? Oh, shoot. Oh, Lauren? Are you there? Yeah, hold on. Just pause it for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, We're going to need your five albums, or did you want me to go with Um, moments? You can do the moments, and then we can... Did you do albums as well, or...? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So list your moments and then yeah. Okay. okay. Uh my moments, um I uh sort of like 
reflecting back on it now, I think a big moment for me was um, sort of like discovering the music festival then and like seeing some of those artists live um, when you really have that chance to because as you get older, you don't have the time. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. To do any of that. So like um, going to Bonnaroo and seeing, you know, Kanye do his set and Kendrick right. do, you know, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, like seven times in a row and uh, seeing like the chance before, you know, the whatever he's doing now and everything. Um, right. Just those moments. Um, and just really the, the, I think something we didn't realize like the shift in the way you discover music um yeah it's no longer like hand fed to you like on mtv or bet you really have to like whatever you like you can go find it absolutely yeah yeah it's right there for you so it's, it's definitely different and i think that makes for a better uh a more competent consumer you know yeah that's true I, I would like agree. you don't have to listen to stuff you don't want to listen to right per se, and support the artists you want to support, so. Right. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I think um, just leading into like the most more recent years, I've loved this sort of like return to not necessarily traditional, but more um, familiar R&B. Like for a while there was all that sort of oomt, 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 which isn't bad but coming from army artists it wasn't what we wanted to hear from them right yeah yeah that's true and some weren't weren't as good as it as others so right. yeah mm-hmm. I, I would say one last moment for me and it was more of a personal thing is that um i like we said, we we went the whole thing about downloading, but I I feel like I joined a club <laughs> when I started going to like my le- local record store because and, and I, I took you there the one we went to for the the record store day. Mm-hmm. But I I think I it sounds weird, but I gained an appreciation for actually purchasing my music. Like I know that sounds that may sound strange, but like. Yeah, because in a way you and that was like 2015. I felt like you know you feel like you're really, I think it's a, a big way to show you really care about what that person's doing or it really means something to you. It's like here I'm I'm going to drop the 23 dollars for this final album because you know mm-hmm. this shit is really hitting like that. So um, yeah, I agree. And like with as much music as we're getting now, like on a day to day basis. There's so right. much to wait through, like, at right. certain point, you're like, I'm only going to buy what I like. Right. Right. And, yeah. And, and, of course, we have the streaming. You can hear that and wasn't the third, but, like, right. I'm buying the artists I like. I'm buying the artists I support. I'm buying what I'm going to play over and over again. So. Right. Yeah. And, I, and last thing, and then we'll move to albums. I, like, each and every day, as each day goes by, I feel like I'm turning into my parents because as I've 
like I'll, I'll say this since I've been a child, I've always heard uh, Parliament, the Funkadelics, George Benson, and Anita Baker. Mm-hmm. And like I'm 28 now, and I can just I, I can feel like in 30 years, I'm gonna be listening to the same exact stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 I've noticed like I don't have the same. affection for hip-hop as i once did yes yes i agree and i know like it's it's a young man's game like we're going to age out of it it's going to be for the next generation but like i found myself like literally zoning in on you know r&b or some sort of strain of it or listening to albums i didn't listen to when i was a kid or something like that Right. It's just it's weird how that happens. Like we're literally becoming our parents in in, <laughs> right. in that way. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and like if I do listen to hip hop, it's like a Kendrick or right an artist I want to want to hear. But all these younglings and young no. whatever they're good for like a playlist. But I'm not friendly money that way. Absolutely not. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So, anywho, mm. our five favorite albums of the 2010s. All right. You can go because I start first on the. Okay. Um. Let me go to the later years and see if there's anything. I know we could choose any three of his, but I'm going to go with his most recent, uh, Kendrick's "Damn." Yes. Yeah. Um. We didn't know what to expect with his third LP, but again, it was it was something uh, different. It was something thought-provoking, sonically aggressive, lyrically aggressive, visually astounding, and it has it has legs. That album lasted to him at least two years. Um, so yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh. That was your number five. My number five was, uh, I think it came out 2013, 2014, but it was an, it was Daft Punk, Random Access Memories. And mm. uh, like I said, I always loved dance music and they are always very energetic, but this was different. They, they introduced more instruments, guitars, drums. They, it was, it was very, it was much more mellow and, uh, get lucky with pharrell was everywhere and i think it was maybe the first time daft punk really got like not that they weren't popular but like pop pop views like that but anyways a lot of people didn't like the cd i did so okay um my number four is going to go to the self-titled album from jamie liddell okay came out in 2013 um I had heard of him, but I never really listened to him. I think this album really got me because it uh, pulled heavily from like that 80s funk R&B sound. And I read an article where he was, he said um, the inspiration for his album was a lot of the music from Jan Jackson's Rhythm Nation and Control. So like that bombastic sort of industrial sound. So that's my number four. All right. Uh, my number four, and I mentioned her uh, a little bit earlier, but would be um, 
Florence and the Machines, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. And it came out in 2015. And uh, she, I know, I know her first CD, she went through like a, a breakup and that influenced a lot of songs. But I, I, this one, I'm not really sure what she went through. I know she had drinking problems and everything. Anyways, um, she created like a, um, a visual to go with this for every song and she named it the odyssey and it like came out in segments on youtube and it really just it kind of just backs the cd up but anyways it was really good and uh still listen to it so that would be my number four okay to number three again this was like early on 2013 I uh, played this album out. I still do. Uh, Disclosure Settle. Yes. Number three. I can remember downloading this and just on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, driving to Indy, on repeat, driving right. to <laughs> It was just, it was the song, it was the album that summer. Um, yeah. It, it was just different. Um, it sort of like brought dance music back to the center of sort of popular music because it's always been sort of on the fringes when you think about it. Right. But it definitely lifted it back up for, for a time. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So we're on number three. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, number three is, for me, is Talk That Talk by Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um and like I said, I'm a Rihanna fan. But that, oh man, that one had so many good songs. Had we Found Love, uh, You The One, which I just find myself randomly saying. Uh, and then Cockiness, which that song was really good. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I think that one was just the energy behind it. And I really like that one. Okay. This be my number two. <clears throat> Um, dang. My number two, I think it's going to go to, uh, dang. So many choices. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, Big Crits Catalytica, kind of mentioned before. Yeah. Um, other than his early mixtape, I think this is his strongest LP. You know, he had the label issues from his first album and Def Jam, and this is sort of like his breakout moment to sort of get back to his sound and his roots, and he found the right production. Um, it's always a great lyricist, so that's my... Yeah. Two. All right. All right. My number two and uh is another Kendrick. Or right, wait, or did you did you say damn or to pimp a butterfly? I said damn. Yeah, mine one mine is damn too. Uh yes. that that C D just uh man, it, the, every song was good. But the song that I find myself going back to, and and don't, I don't even mind that it's almost I think eight minutes is uh is fear, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so good, 
he, he yeah he's so good at what he does we're lucky to live in the same time as him because oh definitely yeah all right number one pick my number ones gotta go to her beyonce for self-titled yeah. um just it sort of like redefined her as as an artist and you know she she had already been sort of like in her bag the early 2000s but it 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 took it to another level with self-titled um the artistry um it was like her as as a woman in this career what by this time it's been at least 10 years she's been in the game you know and right and people want to slight her even though she's one of the biggest artists of our time you know as a black woman she still gets oh, short, yeah. end, short end of the stick from a lot of people and it just sort of redefined redefined her and set the bar for artistry not since you know michael jackson have we had someone sort of only compete against with themselves to achieve you know All right that's sort of success and artistry. So that's my number one. My gosh. All right. Now this this was a hard one, and I probably should have put Kanye on the list somewhere. But my I feel like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is on a list of its own. Like it, it was just that good. But yeah. Um. The see the one I picked was by a group called TV on the Radio. Uh, and the song the TV this uh, the CD is called Nine Types of Light, and the CD itself was just good. Musically, it was incredible. They're kind of like a, almost like a mix between like indie and like funk. It's really strange. I can't explain their sound. But um, part of where they mean so much to me is that they're a group of five people and four of them are black. And I think what it is was seeing, when I first found them like in like high school or in the middle school, of seeing somebody playing a different sound that wasn't rap, but they still look like me. And I was just like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, And I connected to that. But this CD was really good. They had lost um, one of their band members had passed away or uh, had been sick, rather. And it was just really good. It was a lot of good singles on that one. So that was my top of this decade. All righty. Yeah. And it's, it's been a crazy time a fun time Absolutely. a crazy not time a decade later <laughs> um and just before we get into what we're streaming this weekend what have you been listening to lately just you know as we started a new decade if anything anything oh, that you're listening to um i always make a, i have a playlist on spotify literally called good 2000 like i make a playlist every year just so i can keep track of them but um uh, I think I mentioned it before, but like a, there was literally, I, let me just shut up. Mac Miller CD that came out, the one that has come out since he's passed away. Mm -hmm. um, I've been kind of playing that over and over again. And on it, it's so it's so weird to not know someone, but only know them through their music. And literally, like I felt like I lost a friend when Mac Miller died. So hearing the CD was both kind of bittersweet. It's like man, there's some new music like. But damn, we're never getting any newer yeah. music than what we have right now. So yeah. yeah, that's been on repeat. So 
for me, it's I just have a playlist. I make a playlist for every quarter. Yeah. And I haven't really listened to one album yet because I don't think anything's come out that I wanted. Right, right. Per se. Um, but like I said, a lot of R&B. Um, I've really been digging Sam Sparrow's new song, Eye to Eye, and he has an album coming out this Friday. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's what Sam Smith thinks he's doing. <laughs> right. Oh, God, Sam Smith. <laughs> um, in, in 2014, when Sam Smith came out, I thought we had found something new, and now I, I can't stand him. Yeah. Sales settle. I mean, Disclosure definitely, like, helped propel him because Latch right. is that that song. Right, but, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And surprisingly, I didn't think it was possible. Billie Eilish really has a good theme, bomb theme yeah. song, No Time to Die. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's not terrible, so. Yeah. Yes, that's what my kind of playlist looks like now. It's mostly, you know, R&B and a rap here and there, pop here and there, but yeah, just waiting to see what we get with the sort of album pullouts and push rollouts now. Still very early for like, right, exactly. Okay, artists and everything. But I do know um, we can expect Adele to come in September. Um, Kendrick is supposed to be dropping something this year. I think Drake. I don't know. I would expect. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I know Migos is during Culture 3. If it's anything like Culture 2, I don't want to hear it. No, they can keep that. Um, so, yeah. You always got to stay on your toes for Beyonce. Oh, yeah, because you never know. Right. You, you just never know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As we close here, where are you streaming for the weekend? Um, I honestly have no clue. Usually I have... Well, let me think back. I think I have... There's another movie I found on Prime that I wanted to watch. But um, I, I think it's the first time I really don't know. I, I'm trying to think if there's any shows that I have to get through. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll probably just find something and, and watch that. But right now, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have an idea either. I guess I'll catch up on Kidding because I haven't watched any of that. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I didn't and... They they do the whole like two episodes a night, so it's like four episodes. Oh wow. So yeah. Um I don't think anything comes out this weekend I wanna see mm. as far as film, but I might find something here. I do need to finish some stuff on Netflix. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Well this has been another episode of the Streamable Live Podcast. Um, you can follow us on all the socials at AS Life Podcast. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next time, keep streaming. Yep. Peace. Peace. This was another episode of It's a Streamable Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Listen weekly wherever you cast pods and follow us on the socials at AS Life Podcast and streamablelife.wordpress.com.